Campfire, a podcast, three dudes kicking it around the fire discussing the day's hot topics, their opinions, and all kinds of banter. Sit back, relax, tune in, and feel the warmth as the red light is about to turn on. like that the red light is on and we're back Uh, here we are again hello everyone well hey y'all shit i'm out of whiskey and it's early yet well that's good it's it's good you know i was looking forward to fighting with you tonight now i know that's pretty much a guarantee fucking a i tell you what folks me and Nick been going at it, and it's been a lot of fun. It it's has been, been. It's been. It's been aggravating and fun. The uh, at, at least the last three four days, <laughs> we took a little trip on Saturday, a little road trip, and uh, we had a nice lengthy discussion. What what that what what he means is I was being a dick all fucking day, pretty much, and I was rolling with it for most of the time. But on the way home at two thirty in the morning, after listening to him ramble for eight fucking hours, <laughs> I'd had enough. Uh, well, it didn't it didn't help that you know your stomach hurt and you were holding <laughs> farts and trying not to shit yourself. I mean, there was a bit of that. And, you know, I just wouldn't let up. I understand why you were pissed. I ain't mad at you for it. But goddamn. I was laughing so far. I laughed so fucking hard. I had tears in my eyes at a couple of points. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you're going to have tears in your eyes from farting and shit. Well, that's part of the story. <laughs> Once we dropped off uh, my daughter's boyfriend there in the one town over, we... uh took the back roads to Nick's house and we got about halfway there out on old Zimmerman and he just started letting the bombs fall. (laughs) (laughs) And God damn, I literally was coughing and gagging. Nobody's ass smells like this guy. (laughs) It was hilarious. I'll give him that, but Jesus (laughs) Christ, it was fucking rancid and and the rest of the kids that were left in the car i feel bad for them because they didn't do anything wrong it was me it was me i'm I'm the one that earned that for them and you know they had to take the hit i guess geneva conventions doesn't apply no scenario no it doesn't but keith hell i even kind of got you pulled into my bullshit last night a little bit didn't i when we were when we were chatting a little bit and just oh, a scotch. That was... Just a scotch. Just a scotch. I had you both like in a little bit disbelief of what I was saying. No, no, I followed exactly what you say were saying. I knew what you were saying and I was running with it. I was playing the other side of devil's advocate. As you always do. <laughs> I was playing good angel, bad angel. You were, Keith, you were 
Because I would sit there and be like, fuck you. And then I'd be like, oh, never mind. You're good. I'm here for you. (laughs) Let's crack crack that debate open again. Because really, I I blew Joe off last night. And I even told him that. I said, ha, your your argument is weak as fuck. So uh, I left and went and played video games. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You did. I did. I did. Well, I don't know if we want to crack it open again, but you know, the, my main point was, you know what? I voted yes to legalize marijuana in Ohio, and now, now that I have, I look back and I'm like, that's not what our society needs. And my entire point there was, you know, um, people have freedom of choice and free will, and you know. What you were proposing, or just saying, if to follow your line of logic that you were using to outlaw or to keep. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there because I was, I made it clear several times to both you guys that I I was not, I was not saying that this is what our policy should be. Uh, This is not what I think should be legislated. This is just my opinion. This is how I see our society. Yes, that's a given. And I'll give you that. Okay. However, you were on that devil's advocate soapbox. So in response to that, all I'm saying here is you trying to say that um, marijuana or alcohol, for that matter, are responsible for the degeneracy in society and people can't make these informed decisions for themselves and they'll just get stoned and society will continue to decline into debauchery. Okay, that's all well and good, but people have freedom of choice and there's uh, you, you can't interfere with that. And trying to outlaw those things is a lot like, in my mind, trying to outlaw guns and you're blaming the drug for nope. the user's choice. No, no. And it's the no. same as you you kept trying to tell me that gun. this is you kept trying to tell me that that's what I was trying to do last night, but it wasn't. I was saying that our culture, our society and our government are responsible for setting up incentive structures that should uh, lead to prosperity and good health and good social fabric. Yes. I didn't say anything about outlawing weed or alcohol. I want to uh, have good incentive structures. If we had good incentive structures in, in the West, we wouldn't have to worry about alcohol and weed and guns. It's not weed. It's not alcohol and it's not the guns. It's, It's it's the state of how we all think not all of us me and you and you us three we don't think these ways we can handle our weed and alcohol and our guns if if we were to choose to do those things because we aren't in that state of mind where we need to numb something or we need to hurt someone to make us feel better or something like that but you know an an increasing alarmingly increasing minority of people, which will eventually become a majority of people, 
they do need those things. They need to numb, numb something about their life. They need to hurt someone to make themselves feel better. They need to hurt themselves. They need to see someone suffer just to, you know, Johnny Cash sang about that. What's that? How so? I hurt myself today. That's exactly it. That, that, that was my main point. That was my main point. It wasn't about weed. It wasn't about alcohol. It wasn't about guns. My main point, and maybe this is my fault for not expressing this clearly enough. Man we, is inherently a sinner. We as a society are not in a place where we're ready to handle legal weed and massive amounts of cheap, strong alcohol. And, you know, I... I hate to say this, but I see why leftists are so against guns. They don't see why they're against guns. But it is alarming to think that guns are available to people that are severely mentally ill. And we all know why. Look at all the mass shootings that have happened. I Granted, statistically, that's a, that's a small portion of gun deaths in, in the West. But... Uh, it's not the guns, like you said. It's the mental health epidemic that we're facing. And that mental health epidemic is there because of the incentive structures pushed forth by our government. Whether it's the White House, the Supreme Court, or the legislator, and the other form, the other branch of government, the new fourth branch of government, which is the media, news, and pop culture. Those four things put forth these incentive structures that make us all sick. <coughs> and then you, you get a bunch of sick people like us and then give us a bunch of weed and alcohol and porn and guns and wonder why everybody's killing themselves, killing each other and can't function in society. That, that was my overarching point last night. I just didn't clarify it well enough because i was too busy defending myself against you two that were like well where does it say you that weed's bad or who who makes this law or why shouldn't you do this or or what about freedom and or what about i was defending myself against those attacks when my main point was hey we're all sick as fuck take a bunch of sick people and throw a bunch of weed and guns and beer on top of it. And no wonder everybody's fucking killing themselves and each other. But as you pointed out too, very rightly so is that we had to where, I mean, look at the food pyramid that we all grew up with. They designed it to make us fucking die on purpose. You know, they did that on purpose too. And that's why they're doing all this other shit too. I do still promote that i say that you know it is good that we have responsible cannabis use um, to protect users from going to harder stuff usually because if they had not a stigma in that then they would be able to use that versus using something else i totally fucking agree with you dude i totally agree and you know there are mental disorders that are not a result of our horrible culture that are well treated with controlled cannabis use, responsible cannabis use. And furthermore, um, you know, if, if any one of us 
has a hard week at work and our kids are safe off at um, band camp or cheer camp or whatever or, or with their grandparents and we choose to just say, you know what? I'm about to smoke a joint or I'm going to take a fucking gummy and I'm going to watch Super Troopers. Fuck the government. Fuck everybody else. I should be able to do that because I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting myself or anyone else. I want to hurt you. I like you. I'm going to hurt you. You want to go to a club where people wee on each other? (laughs) And therein lies the problem. Clubs where people wee on each other. The thing is, though, is that, like, the reason why I voted yes is because of the legislation, you know, statements in it. It's a responsible use where you start getting people. And I think that I, I, I agree that there is a lot of people that have mental issues and all that other stuff, and they shouldn't probably be partaking in stuff like that. But again, that's on their prerogative and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And just like yeah. how you were saying with the lefties with having the issue with guns and all that other jazz, I mean, yeah, I get it that they're scared about people with mental issues, but again, it's all about responsible use. It's not about dickery that you're going to do, you know what I'm saying? And you can't legislate against mental health because what the fuck that should be private and everything else and you shouldn't have people fucking watching you like that see man i don't i don't know what that means legislate against mental mental health um so uh, i I mean yeah of course we yeah yes please please so like the thing that i'm saying is like the red flag laws that you would have for guns and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so red flag means that like any of our ex-wives or baby mamas or whatever could sit there and turn around and say, oh, well, we think yeah, that that's... they're unstable and they have guns. Go get them. Basically. Right. That's lack of due process. Right. So I agree is, with you. Yeah. I agree with you. And if they're doing it to that, I can only imagine that they're going to take that template and then try to apply it in other places like that. Yeah, for sure. That. For sure. You and give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And again, with responsible use, you're not doing it when you're going to be to where you're so fucked up that you're incapacitated, even though statistics show that less likely for that to happen on cannabis versus alcohol. Right. You, you, uh, you can, you drink a pint, you you drink a pint of whiskey and drive a car. Uh, that's dangerous and you're probably going to kill yourself and maybe someone else. Um, you, you smoke three joints and drive a car. Um, You'll be you're not going to leave the driveway. <laughs> you're probably not going to leave the driveway. You're going to get to the car and turn it on and turn on the radio and the heat and just sit there and go, oh, yeah. Uh, Wait, was I going somewhere? Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't want to go anywhere. I, I agree with you there. But so when you when you said the legislate against mental health thing, that's that's what where I don't know what this looks like because I keep talking about incentive structures and and these incentive structures again I don't know what they should be but they should be there to um, discourage people from making bad choices for instance okay 
Um, let's look at affirmative action and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and what it did to the black community with, in terms of um, unwed mothers. Now we've got a we've got a horrible problem with Yummy. with <laughs> you're evil you're evil and I get where you're coming from I I see that but it, it's a real problem um, it in the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the subsequent affirmative action laws that were put in place incentivized low income black women to have children out of wedlock and uh, you know kick the fathers out so they could receive government benefits and then they raise sons and daughters without fathers which is a horrible horrible setup for the success success of a child's development these kids turn out to be confused and angry and then what happens when you have when you have just one one or two neighborhoods in a big city that that have a majority of kids brought up this way. Well, it's not just one or two neighborhoods in one city. It's numerous neighborhoods in every big city all over the West. And, and now we're looking at, at things like gang violence and mass shootings that go unreported by the media and um like most of chicago's and and, yeah. and, a, hor- and a horrible culture uh, the, the well, culture that has sprung from that is just degrading to black people all over the world black people don't want to be a part of that but the incentive structures they under which they live push them in that direction that's that's what I'm getting at. Like I don't like I said I don't know what the mental health incentive structures should look like legislatively, but we could do something fucking better. I Yeah, I can't argue with you guys on that. I I I, I agree with what you're saying. My but bigger thing it's, is it's all part of the the in my mind, it's all part of bread and circuses. If you follow your ancient Rome, the Senate would basically do whatever the hell they wanted. And, uh, you know, about once a month, they'd give the people a gladiator event and give them all free bread, and free wine, and everybody would get drunk and have a party for a week. They'd have big parades through... Rome with uh, you know they had African animals that they had captured and brought up there and put on display and all kinds of spectacles to distract the citizenry from what the government was actually doing and And then the citizens voted for it too by the way they voted for it yeah yeah well what is that famous quote out there is I don't know who said it I think it was Ben Franklin about democracy democracy works until the citizens figure out i can't remember what it is anyway is it about the tyranny of the majority because a pure democracy turns into tyranny every time 
That's why yes, we don't have a pure democracy. We have a constitutional representative republic. And yeah. But I see what you're getting at. Like, and, you know, that can be kind of equated with, with what we're looking at here with legal, legalization of weed all over the place. It's it's kind of synonymous with that. You know, let's let's put on let's put on a gladiator show and give them wine and bread and right and just keep them keep them fucking drunk and stoned and mentally ill and and you know that does not sway me at all from the idea that we should all be free to drink whatever booze we want, smoke however much herb we want. I, I'm all about freedom, guys. I am all about that. For sure. Bar none. Now, let's fix let's fix the incentive structures, please. Let's get rid of affirmative action. Let's get rid of It is um, gone. Affirmative action's gone. It's only gone in right. state universities. That's it. Right. That's it. And any federally funded university, that's where it's gone. And they're finding ways around it anyways. Yep. As they always do. If we could get rid of affirmative action, and, and this is heavy-handed government, and I don't even know if I agree with this. If we were to have the government, the federal government nonetheless, get involved in private business to say, hey, you are not allowed to hire people based upon their oppressed status or their color of their skin, I mean, that's heavy-handed government. And to me, that's fighting against the discrimination laws that we already have on the books. I mean, kind of, yeah, it is. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest thing with our incentive structures and stuff, as you're putting it, is that I think that they need to go ahead and actually police them correctly to where there's thousands upon thousands that I'm aware of um, they, they sit there and they'll have a live-in boyfriend but yet they still claim everything as a single mother and still get the access and everything else and that, right. should, that shouldn't go like if you have someone living with you they should be counted it's supposed I agree. to be that way they should be counted but it's easy to get around a lot of these things there's loopholes you know okay well devil's advocate time guys because it sounds like what you both are telling me right now is that you want an expanded bureaucratic state no i want them just to do their job this the job that they have now should be done correctly i want them to streamline and minimize Minimize is the key word here. They need to make it more efficient, and by making it more efficient, and I mean more efficient to the user, but by making it more efficient, they can make it more economical. I I disagree. I I think think we should make it way harder for people to get welfare. Or any of the services. Incentive structures, my friend. It's way too easy for people to get welfare. And it's not because they don't police it. It's because they just fucking hand that shit out. Uh, they hand that shit out and it incentivizes people to fuck as much as they want, be as debaucherous as they want, and pump out as many kids as they want so they get more money. Sure. If you're a female, you definitely get that that way. But I know yeah. when I was destitute and needed help and everything else, I could not get welfare, but I could get 
the things that I need, such as like food stamps, and I also had, um, you know, Medicaid and stuff for the kids. I don't care about me. It was taking care of the kids a little bit when I was having an issue. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I, I still think it should be harder to get get public assistance, and I, I feel that in the end, that would incentivize people to just say, all right, you know what? Millions of other people in our society do this. I can go and and get a job. I mean, hell, the government's giving me fucking internet here pretty soon, right? So, I, hell, I can work from home. I can do call center stuff. I can, I can, you know, take surveys for, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week. Or I, there, there are so many things that people can do that they choose not to because they really don't have to. Because, you know, in the end, uh, my food stamps will come the first, and and my, my pet plan is still in effect, and my electric bill will get paid, and that's that's what I'm driving at. That's what I was driving at last night, guys. The, so, it's, it's horrible incentive structures. One thing that I do have to say that it's, like, really horrible, and what we're seeing the most of is having the, you know... Um, illegal immigrants coming through and then they're getting services like you should not get services unless you've been a citizen paying taxes or you've had a visa paying taxes and everything so else. interesting yep. perhaps a more uh we'll call it a uh i don't know federalist system where citizenship is earned by all persons it's not a birthright Ending birthright citizenship might alleviate some of these issues because you don't get you don't get all the rights inherent to being an American citizen unless you're a citizen. Oh, yeah. You have to meet certain requirements. It depends on what those requirements would be, in my opinion. It depends depends on the requirements. Oh, I think it would include things like you know a high school diploma. Okay, there you go. Provided um, that art our education system was worth a fuck, right. which it's not. It's not. So I think we all know the education system could use an overhaul, but part of this, since, you know, we're going to make this a requirement for citizenship is learning government and economics, capitalist economics, civics, civics. Let's teach American history and world history very well. We need to emphasize these subjects. I got you. Uh, mathematics, science, all mathematics. that needs to be emphasized as well. But uh, What about the other requirements for citizenship? That, that might be one of them. What about, okay, okay yes, obviously military service. And that's a thing. That's I know some very respectable immigrants that have earned their citizenship yes. because now, they did military now, service. Right. I went through um, when I was in boot camp in tech school, I served with several guys who were foreigners for all intents and purposes. Um, there were two or three guys. The first time they ever visited the United States was when they came to boot camp. Now, um, one of those one of those individuals, both of his parents were in the Air Force and they had been stationed in Europe. 
this kid's whole life. So, um, so he's an American citizen. He he is an American citizen, like he but he had never born beforehand. Right, he was but he had never to been States. to America. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, that doesn't to the bother state. me in that. What I'm saying is people that are coming illegally over the border and stuff and then going to like New York and then they're getting services. And then the federal government is subsidizing the state of New York exactly. because well, they're fucking broke. That. I understand yeah. that. And who was that? Some woman came out the other day and said that New York is at capacity and they can't take any more refugees. Oh, and asking refugees, please do not come here. Oh yeah, dude. and they <laughs> uh, had, they just uh, built a twenty million dollar facility for the refugees or the refugees. tent city. No, this was like an actual building. Like he spent twenty oh. million dollars and built this huge ass building. They took people out of I think it was the Westin or something like that or Watson or it was a W hotel name. That's evidently like two hundred and fifty dollars a night that we were fitting the bill for them to stay in. They took them to this other place and then they jumped back on the bus because they didn't want to lose that nice place that they were in for a place that just yeah 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 I know what you're talking time. about because because they said well this is bullshit this is too far away from <laughs> where we need to go to work and we're and the hotel was nicer and yeah. well our kids we got to get our kids to school and I'm like hey. Welcome to fucking America, where you got to make your own fucking way. Right. You don't like your situation? Make your own. Right. That that was That's exactly the thoughts that were going through my head when I heard the story you're talking about, Keith. Because that pissed me off. These people are not coming here. Okay, I'm not going to say all these people. There are a large part of these people, whether it's a majority or a minority, that are coming here just with their hand out. You cannot deny that. I don't. It's not racist to say that. It's not incorrect to say that. It's factually true that a lot of these people, they don't want to make their own way. Right. They're coming here because they know our government is going to make the way for them. Just hand it. and that's Just hand it to them. And, like, I, I also agree, honestly, with that, you know, the whole book and stuff, uh, Starship Troopers, where you had to do two years of service to become a citizen and all that other jazz. But that's also me that I was dis disadvantaged on going into the military and actually serving my country because I had asthma when I was young. Well, see, that, that's, that's what I'm That's why I was asking, Nick, like, what would what in your mind would be some of the other requirements because not everybody can serve in the military. Right. I don't know. They might have, I didn't enlist and I regret that every day of my life that I didn't even try. But if I had enlisted, maybe they would have been like, uh, no bitch. Uh, look at them fucking duck feet. You got, you ain't, you ain't where the fuck. Oh, you can't see shit. You wear contacts. No, fuck you. Uh, look, look at how you stand. You hunch over like a fucking hunchback. You, you ain't, th that could have happened to me. But I still say that there's so many things that we can take people that were like me or could have some other fucked up shit or whatever and have them do something. Like, yeah. Have me You're obviously not useless. Right. I, I think that that's where we fall short and we make it a standard completely for all of that. I mean, yeah, you want more able-bodied people to be on the front line to be able to do all this other stuff. Obviously, that's... Be, 
But that's the nature of the military. We want people that can kill people. Can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, you totally could have been flying a fucking drone or coding for the fucking F twenty two. Right. All kinds of stuff, but I don't know. That's where I start. It really kills me that I couldn't do that. Mm. Because I tried to join when I was seventeen. Did you? Yeah. And they told you to fuck off, huh? Basically. I got to the, I was taking the ASFAB, and then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, we got your medical records back, you got asthma, bye. Hey, you can't be mad about it, dude. No. Because, I mean, you can in in a certain way, like you said, like, you you could have been of some use, but at that early stage, they don't know what use you could have been. You were a fucking seventeen-year-old dumbass, like the rest of seventeen-year-olds, and and they didn't know that you would have been capable of, you know, all the stuff that you obviously are right. great at. Um, but there are there there could be other avenues to citizenship, like Nick said. If we had a good education yeah, system, fun. go through the education system and earn your diploma. Yeah, if Bam, you now you're a citizen, right? If you get your college degree. You, Fuck a college degree. I like your idea of a high school diploma. It's not necessarily a college degree. You can get a a, a degree in a trade and become employed sure. in that trade. But you, yeah, it's the part of employed. You need you, to be be in part of the society. It's yes. part of giving back. That's how you give back. You do your job. Absolutely. Everybody has a role to play in society. You know, not everybody's a mechanic, not everybody's a carpenter, not everybody's an engineer. So we need everybody to help out. I'm actually reminded about a great story that covers this very thing that I'd love to tell tonight. I think it's, yeah, I put it on the list. But yeah, well, we can get into that later. But, uh, you know, everybody's got a job to do there, so... Uh, as long as you're doing a job and you're being a part of the society, you can earn citizenship. Oh, by the way, um, in order to have children, you need to have a license. Whoa, easy. Oh, whoa, easy. Um, what are we talking about here? This is easy. Yeah, I don't. Where'd know you hear about that. this? This is some Robert Heinlein type shit here, man. Oh God. It is. More Starship Troopers, huh? <laughs> no, it's just it is some federal ideology. It's thought provoking because I, I mean, if you think about it, I am, uh, uh, we have been reproducing all of these fucking idiot leftist kids for the better part of uh, right. half a half a century. You're right, and it's made me rethink this ideology. I think we covered this the other night when we were talking about. Um, you know, the whole MO, the ideology that uh, I don't care what you do as long as it doesn't affect me or mine, the yeah. libertarian ideology, if you will. Yeah. You know, and maybe that is wrong. You know, I've always had that MO. That's, that's why I guess I'm as center as I am. I guess I really am a libertarian, Joe, now that I think about it. Maybe I am. But um, I'm very 
pro small government. I'm anti big government. I hate big government. I think that's pretty obvious. However, I have always been a fan of a federalist society. Now, this is coming from a veteran, somebody who's already done military service, somebody who knew his whole life. I, you know, I always knew I was going to do military service. So I was always going to become a citizen in a federalist society. But it's always been a very appealing idea to me. It's fascist. No, it's not fascist to be. It's not truly fascist. To have a military. No, no, don't don't make that conflation. That's not true. You're right. Strike that comment. I want to, uh, Keith, edit that shit out. No, nah, it's all staying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one thing that's funny that we're talking about this and stuff is that I've been registered as a Democrat my whole life until the last couple little bit. I'm shocked. And anyways, with that, I get messages from the Ohio Democrats and they're pushing to have me run for office in my area. And I said, okay, hey, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about doing that, you know, give me some information and all that other stuff. And they're <laughs> listing out all the offices that I could apply for to run. And then they would start funding me for it. No shit. No shit. I'll show you. The and they don't even they fucking have. know anything about you. Not really. No. Super PACs are a horrible fucking thing, dude. And That's the fucking truth. Point. Under a federalist society... We wouldn't fucking need super PACs or lobbyists nope. or... We don't need them under any society. Right, they serve no purpose. Other than super PACs and all these oh parties are, are the bane of our federalist system. But even so, like, you know, Nick, you were... Just because we have a military doesn't make us fascist. Just because no, we have police no. does not make us fascist. It doesn't. Fa it fascism, doesn't. It, it, it only becomes fascism when you use that military and that police force against your citizens unduly. Like the bell due, with Without due process. Yeah. A nice DS9 reference slid in there. Oh yeah, Keith. Keith's been on some DS nine, man. Um, I'm loving watching Keith go through, go through Deep Space Nine. For our listeners, we're talking about Star Trek again. So, either uh, tune out or fucking tune in to Paramount Plus and watch some fucking Deep Space Nine. You pieces of shit, you're missing out. Dude, I have uh, we do that. not receive any kickbacks from Paramount. No, we don't. No. It'd be nice if we did, though, Paramount, because Star Trek's cool. And yeah, well, Star Trek. I would, I would suck Gene Roddenberry. Never mind. I don't know. <laughs> Michelle Barrett, maybe, but not Gene. Well, he fucked. Yeah, he fucked Loxana Troy, so maybe I would. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so did Odo. Digging it hardcore. Um, so you're where? Like beginning um, of season four? Episode four. I just finished episode three of season four. And which and was that the one that you were just talking about earlier where uh, the the literature fan 
showed up at um, Jake Sisko's house as Jake Sisko was an old man that was a you know well-published author. Yep, exactly. And, you know, honestly, that episode was eh for me. But all of the underlying storyline that's going on with the, the rumblings in the Dominion trying to take over the Alpha Quadrant and you finally got to see Worf come back. Yeah, dude. Oh, you did see that episode. He saw Worf come back. Badass when he looks at Cisco and says, He said, Today is a good day to die. Yeah. And you fucking know it's on. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I did like how he went back and he was like, um, I think it was Curzon that was like, yeah, we're going to hold back because if we're going to continue to fight when all the Starfleet is coming to fucking protect the right. nine, they're like, we're not going to lose the Empire because of this fight, but we're not going to forget that you fought us. Well, now you're involved and in, you're right in the middle of the Klingon War right now, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's an ugly part. He said Curzon. He did. Curzon was Jadzia's former host. That's what. Or Dax's former host before Jadzia. I I knew what you meant, Keith, but I just love the fact that you called Jadzia Dax Curzon. Yes. That's so important because Jadzia Dax, uh, you know, I would say probably a third of the time of all of DS9, she's fucking, might as well be Klingon. Oh, uh, Even though Curzon was not Klingon, he thinks like a Klingon, thought like a Klingon. Even right. when you sit there and show, like, when Worf came on, she went and did a hollow suite and was like, here, let's have actually a real fight instead of you playing oh, with just wait. hologram fuckers. They do a lot of fighting. Dude, just, I can't, uh, I can't wait to see how you react to all this, uh, Oh, Everything God. that's coming, the Dominion War, the uh, the fall of Dukat is a glorious thing to watch. Like, if you're into just sitting back and watching an absolute train wreck happen, watching Dukat spiral downward is delicious. Hey, Nick, <laughs> Nick, stop spoiling it for our friend Keith here. Spoiler alert, Keith, spoiler alert. I mean, good. that's kind of the the plane Ducat's been on for the entire series. He's in season four. He already can see the writing on the wall with Ducat. Oh, what is it? Uh, Garak or whatever? What's his name? The other Garrick. One? Garrick, that's it. It's so weird to hear it and then to see it written when I look up stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, shit. Um, but yeah, I think it's hilarious when like they were coming up and they were all worried about the um, the Klingons coming and stuff, and they're like, "Fancy me being fighting side by side." And then do oh like, yes, oh just make sure you don't point the phaser at me and all this other stuff. And he's well, like, they hate each other. Oh yeah, they've you. got. Oh yeah, Garrick and Ducat fucking hate each other, and it's glorious. It's so great. I plain, fucking love Garrick. Garrick. Yeah, plain simple Garrick. A humbler, ta- a humble tailor, right? Totally not a spy. Why don't you go sew something? <laughs> you would be surprised at the gossip I hear hemming people's pants. 
Dude, I'm really excited for the next episode. Episode four is the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, I found out that Renee oh. Odo, the actor that plays Odo, does the directing in that one. Yes. So I'm kind of oh. getting that one's very that one. good. Oh, I that's did not. No, he was a director. O'Brien. I think Nick. He... Spoiler. Spoiler. That one is. Uh... He just goes, man. I know he just goes. No, I'm. I was just setting it right in my head. Because we'll do it in your head, <laughs> not not to Keith. You don't want to spoil no, there, it for Keith. There's two similar episodes because there's one with the harvesters, but I think that's in a much earlier episode. Are those those nano bot sort of things? The harvesters? No, they were uh, on some weird planet and. They had helped destroy some biogenic weapon, but somehow O'Brien got infected, and they tried to kill O'Brien. And the doctor, dude, I'm at the point. Actually, I just started episode four. Now that I'm looking at a little uh, thumbnail and stuff. But it has O'Brien and it has um, Bashir, and they just landed on this planet and stuff. And then Jemadar, yep. or Jemhadar, ended up capturing them. And I'm like, what the fuck? They're crazy. Oh, I know which one it is. Okay. Yeah, I know which one it is. Nick, it's the one about Catch Yourself White. Yes. I know which one it is. Okay, now I know which one it is. It's very good, yes. It's so good. Oh, dude, I'm loving that you're into this. Uh, I'm, I'm just so happy that you finally have sat down and fucking taken it in. Because yes. it, it's like, like Nick said last night, or whenever it was we were talking, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, those are the canon. Mm-hmm. Those are the canon Star Treks. Like, obviously, the original series is canon, but it was just it was just like a, a precursor, like a, a bare-bones setup, a bare-bones skeleton for yeah. actual canon Star yep. Trek. Yeah, it's like, uh, if you think about it, like plot point building character introducing kind of bringing yep. the starfleet in kind of understanding that a little bit but yeah, i've just, been a just... fan of uh tng for like ever and i've watched it several Same. times through Same. And this is the first time i've actually did sit down and like it did take some coaxing by you guys and stuff because season one is slow as fuck and it's really season two it kind of is too man but it starts getting on you it, starts, it does it starts growing when you first start DS9, when you're used to Picard and mm-hmm. and Riker. Will Riker, and then you go to someone totally different, Commander Sisko, right. fighting with his his first officer, Kira Norris. It's you, you look at Sisko and you're like, you almost feel like he's overacting, mm-hmm. and he's he's out of his element. He's flexing muscles that he doesn't really have. But as, like you said, as the seasons progress and you get into season three, you're like, Oh, this is a badass, crazy motherfucker. 
Yeah, dude. Yeah, he he he'll do some shit. He'll do some shit. Has he gone after Eddington yet? Has he? Nick, don't do it because I know where you're going. Wait, wait till is, he wait. is Eddington security officer. I have not heard. Okay, I mean, don't say it, Nick, because that's where I was thinking of going next. Like Cisco is a crazy motherfucker, and he I'm... will do some shit that you're like, oh, oh, prime he directive. Punched, what he punched Q in the face? He, yeah, he did. Q. That was uh, that was ballsy. Yeah, but but ballsy. but what what he, uh... he did what he did to finally. With with Eddington, that was during whew, the uh, Maquis. During when the they were Bajoran going after the Maquis. Civil War, during the Bajoran Civil War, the whole uh, the yeah, circle with Minister Yarrow, he defied uh-huh. Starfleet orders to pull out a DS nine. He sent everybody else there, and then him and the command crew. Went Took the guerrilla style. They went guerrilla warfare, hidden the friggin' uh, passageways, and uh, it was no, it was the um, Jeffrey's tubes. Oh yeah. Oh okay. They were hiding in Jeffrey's tubes, but they were able to get Kira down to Bajor with proof of Cardassian uh, involvement, and meanwhile. Cisco's waging war on the station and winning. I haven't seen that yet. So. Yeah, you have. I'm I'm trying Tell to remember what you're talking season. about. They haven't the had end a of Civil season War two. No, it was real quick. That's yeah. when they had. A... It was like one episode with the circle. Well, no, it was actually three different episodes at the beginning of season two or the beginning of season three. What was that uh, guy's name? Uh, the circle. From the circle. The hero of Bajor was... Uh, Lee, it wasn't Lee Nollis. Lee Nollis, yes. Was it, it him? Was Lee Nollis. It was that whole series, the Lee Nollis series. <laughs> okay. I don't remember that being more than one episode, but okay, I believe you. And it was early on. The orbs. The orb of prophecy and change. They're very oh, interesting. Dude, I I love that whole lore surrounding the religion of Bajor with the prophets and and their their I guess you could call it the church hierarchy with it's very Jewish with the Kai. Yeah, it it is kind of Jewish or Catholic. I don't know I mean, what you want to call it. When you look at Bajor, I mean now one when I first watched this as an adult, because I saw some of this when I was young, my early teens, but uh, I didn't really absorb it then. But right, me neither. The Bajorans always seemed to me a little bit like a little bit like the Jews. Okay. Historically, yeah. And uh, yes, historically. 10,000 years of beautiful history. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But at the same time, they are 
the French resistance during World War II. They're France during World War II. And they had been occupied by the Nazi regime for a long time, a.k.a. the Cardassians. And yes, the Cardassians are patterned after Nazi Germany. Um, In ways, yeah. No, they really are. Yeah. That's how yeah. Gene wrote it originally. That's how Berman run it. But, um, yeah, the Cardassians are Nazi Germany. So when you look at the, uh, the Bajorans from that perspective, you understand them a lot more, a lot more. You understand why their faith is so important to them. And I think that's an aspect of Deep Space Nine that I really, really enjoy is the intersection of religion and science because Star Trek has always been about science. You know, it is science fiction, all these wonderful gadgets and gizmos and the things that they can do. And the scientific but, explanations for all these wondrous phenomena of, right. the, of, the, of the universe. Right. All of a sudden they come across this planet way out in the middle of nowhere, at least speaking in Starfleet terms. Relative Bajor terms. Bajor is way the hell a long ways from Earth. That's exactly why they call it Deep Space Nine. That's why right. that station is called that. Right. It's way out there. From from uh, from Sector 001, it's way the fuck out there. Sector 001. So you made me lose my train of thought, Joe. Sorry. My bad. Fucker. What was I talking about? Deep the Space intersection Nine. between science and religion. religion with Deep Space science Nine. and religion. When it comes to Bajor... You find this group of people who have, uh, you know, very, very rich religious views dating back thousands of years that is very ingrained in a beautiful culture. You know, the, uh, the Bajorans had uh, art, mathematics, sciences. When humans learned what a wheel was and figured out how to make fire. True story. Well, the way it's written, you know. But uh, um, I lost my train of thought again. Well, they also had religion. They also yeah. had a really good social fabric because of this religion. They did exactly. It 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 accelerated their culture. Now the backstory behind this for anybody who hasn't seen Deep Space Nine, they have prophets. These are their gods, and the prophets. They handed down well prophecies for the people to follow, but they also gave them these magic orbs. And it's kind of like Thanos's, you know, the five gemstones. Each of them have a different specialty. Infinity stones, yeah. Right, the infinity stones. There's the orb of time. There's... Uh, orb of prophecy. Orb, orb of prophecy, um... There's, I don't know, I think there's like 10 different orbs. And um, in the very beginning of Deep Space Nine, Captain Sisko actually meets the prophets, and he's the only person to ever meet them. But it turns out what the Bajorans view as their gods, as prophets, are um, what Starfleet refers to as wormhole aliens. It is a race 
of uh, sentient beings that exists in another dimension in a non-corporeal means which means they don't have a physical body and time is time is not linear for them right they live outside of time so um cisco becomes a liaison between the people of bajor yeah emissary just say emissary same same thing yeah yeah but that's what he's but called. uh so that's the yeah. entire basis there and it's where you know science is now proving this religion and i think it's amazing and the people in starfleet they first get there and they're like yeah whatever you have gods we know most starfleet people are i won't say anti-religion but they just don't buy it and uh but then after spending some time on Bajor, they st- start to believe it. One of the one of the last holdouts, and Joe, you're going to have to back me up here, was Jadzia. Jadzia Dax. She's, uh, you know, science is her religion, and if science can't prove it, it doesn't exist. It's a hallucination. But even Jadzia comes around and realizes you know what there's something to this religion there really is oh in the end she knows for sure she knows she finds out so um dude i have to say that i'm getting super excited for season four just looking at the memory alpha fandom for star trek oh man um because they have the sword of Kalis coming up, and then the, sun, <laughs> the sons of Moog. Sons of Moog, the, awesome. God. So I've seen both of those ahead of time, um, dude. Like a while back, the, and I remember them a lot. And well, I love no. the Kalis clone that they have. Yeah, he turns out to be a clone, but it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter to them. In the end, it does, but in 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 the meantime, they're like, "Fucking Kalis, right? Hell yeah, Kalis!" And and even after even after they find out he's a clone and it was all a farce, they're still like, "Now nah, fuck you." Mm-hmm. We Kalis is our savior for sure. Doesn't matter. So- that's that's what it is to have principles and believe in them no matter what what some fucked up individual does to try to to taint your your views or try to turn you away from what you believe in Dude, this whole that's one of the things I love about the Klingons Klingons this whole I know. season is it's fucking going to be delicious oh dude oh have man you, have, you've, you've met Gowron already side. right yeah, Gowron was in The Next Generation several mm-hmm. times. Oh, that's right. And he saw The Way of the Warrior. So yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of Gowron. And, you know, there's a whole lot more Gowron to come. Nice. Um, fucking Gowron. Jesus oh, Christ, that fucking guy. And the scene that's in my head right now, I can't even talk about. I know. So you know the one I'm talking about. I do, I do. Oh. oh, 
Dude, you're, you're on this just crescendo right now. It just keeps building and speeding up until the final 10 episodes of the entire series. Those last 10 episodes of season seven are like three movies packed into one, you know? Yeah, it's it's just climax after climax after climax until the series is over and you're like, oh, that, that, so that's So you go it? back and start over. But, <laughs> yeah, then you go back and start over. But, you know, there's the beauty of Star Trek because even with the next generation, when you get to that final episode, the way that episode is done, it kind of leads you right back to <laughs> Episode one of season one. Yeah. What, what happened right at Farpoint Station? Right. You're right back there. So, and with Deep Space Nine, what I find interesting, and you're going to figure this out, Keith, you watch through it. Season one and season two can be a little difficult to get through. Um, the the storylines that they have going on on page or get a little dry. Um, but after you see season six and seven, you're going to want to go back and watch season one and two again so that you can appreciate those episodes better. And those little scenes that give you those little tidbits of information that are really big factors later in the yep. show. And then when you, when you do that, you will like season one and two way more. You, you'll understand them more and, and you won't be as bored. You'll know more. You'll be able to relate all of these. Yep. You'll be able to intertwine all. Of, that's what yeah. I love about Star Trek. Everything. The, it, it's like the Marvel universe. Everything is intertwined. It is. All, all of, all of the, it. all of the Star Trek is intertwined, whether it's the original well, series have- to DS nine or TNG to Picard yeah. or, Maybe, you know, DS9 to Lower Decks. In Deep Space Nine especially, there are several overarching storylines that are continued throughout the entire series with one big, larger, overarching plot to the whole thing that ties it together. But the closer you get to the end, all of those little storylines, they start intersecting and climaxing together it's it's like a fireworks show man it just keeps getting better as it goes that's awesome to hear dude so um i think yeah you're you're definitely at a good point a lot of times when i go back and want to start the series over i just start when morph gets there yeah because i mean the show changes uh, it was good before that it was but it gets better having morph there nice. it really does i mean it and Worf brings in half the story he does and it's his interactions with every single other character from quark to rom to cisco to uh kira and the romulans they when all the romulans romulans i just watched they're without honor i watched the episode last night where um odo found the founders wait don't spoil it for keith what episode are you talking about here oh no i'm behind him i'm okay 
the that's the beginning of season three. Okay. The very beginning of season three. And the founders had put the bridge crew into a simulation to see how they were. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one. And uh, they had the Romulan in there because uh, they had just installed the cloaking device on the Defiant. And I was just thinking about how bold of a move that was for the Star Trek writers you know, to just, hey, we're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to throw a cloaking device on the Defiant this week. How are we going to do this? Well, let's bring a Romulan in. We'll just stick a Romulan on them. Yeah. And we all <laughs> bought it. We ate it up. We loved yeah. it. We're like, fuck yeah, the Defiant has a cloaking device. Let's go find the Dominion. Yup. Didn't think anything about it. There's a fucking Romulan running around with them. It's actually uh, the actress who plays that. Uh, she played a lot of different characters throughout Star Trek. Um, but she was, uh, you didn't watch Voyager much, did you? No, I can't bring myself to do it. Okay. She was Maybe I'll just power through it and see if anything fucking happens. Okay. The thing about Voyager is there are Excellent storylines, excellent plot, horrible character development, horribly shallow characters. It is not the characters. And coming from DS9, where those characters are so deep and well-developed, they're characters you love, you're not going to give a fuck about any of these characters. Yeah, I don't don't dislike a single character on DS9. I can't think of one that I dislike. The best, I mean, honestly... The best character on Voyager is Seven of Nine. Now, see, that's not enough for me. And you don't get me wrong; I love Seven of Nine, but I mean, she's not that fucking great. Janeway's batshit crazy, and she's a war criminal. You want to like Chakotay, but they never really develop his character. All right, he's got some weird. It's either like. Pacific Islander heritage or American. Well, I think Indian. it's supposed to be Native American. It's something like that. You get an ensign <clears throat> that never, ever, ever gets promoted in seven years. You get Tom Paris. That was uh, that was the Asian guy, uh, yeah. Ensign Kim. Tom Paris. They pulled out of prison. Yeah. Uh. Belana Torres was a terrorist. She was a Maquis. So was Chakotay. Chakotay was Maquis terrorist. And just yeah, got he was. stuck with Voyager. So they got field commissions. And uh, then there's Tuvok. And <laughs> he was a sad excuse for a fucking character. I, I, <sighs> as far as I can tell. I mean, I've seen several episodes of all of it of it and I don't need to see any more to know right. that I don't like Tuvok like come on dude the doctor um he you hate the doctor at first and if you keep watching it you'll come to like the doctor wasn't he the hologram yeah yeah no but there are some really cool things that happen in Voyager one of them is they travel clear across Borg, Borg space there are a lot of interactions with the Borg, and Janeway does outsmart the Borg Queen. She does. Um, 
there there's some really interesting species they bring into it like i said the storylines are good they really are they're just played out by bad actors they should redo the entire show yeah maybe they should um, i don't know there was some weird thing there was a character on there her name is kess and her species ages at a vastly different rate than humans okay so while everybody else on the ship is you know in their 30s and 40s and she looks like she's 30 or 40 but she's seven and she's dating the weird alien cook that they picked up along the way and it's a real weird part of the show man it's weird sounds like pedophilia to me um <laughs> Belana torres is she's only half klingon they tried i guess they were trying to i guess uh, re-spark a kalar type character oh life yeah she's half klingon half human but the actress didn't really pull it off well i mean the best actors in voyager are the aliens and I jerry like ryan voyager, though. huh i love voyager though that was my jam back in high school i On get my, that i mean it, like i said it, it had great storylines great plots um the best plots you don't even know i guess i'll fucking watch it god damn it well let me finish deep space nine and then we'll start watching it together okay yeah we'll do some watch parties for that shit getting into it okay there is some really really interesting episodes you get to see the q civil war oh wait Um, now shut the fuck up i don't want to spoil it for me either but dude, if we're gonna do this, see... we have to wait. You have to number one, you have to finish DS nine, and number two, we have to wait until weed is legal in Ohio. Finally, I mean, we voted for it, but it's not actually in full effect yet. Because I can't wait to watch Voyager and and try weed for the first time ever. I I agree with you there. I I think that that would be a good one. I like your yellow car. It's a good one. That's a car I drove in Vegas. Nice. But yeah, dude, Old I'm totally down to do a watch party and stuff. I'll make a trip. And try weed for the first time, maybe? Yeah, dude. Sure. Why yeah. Not? Like I said. Only, only until it's legal. Not until it's legal. about having responsibility. Mm-hmm. And even though that in my past life, as in being a younger adult super younger adult in college i've tried it before did we lose nick what's wrong dude he's trying to get his gambling set up i was just trying to do something here and like for five seconds you guys both cut out screens froze i don't know if that was you or me it was you it was you it's always my fault. God, you sound like a fucking modern teenager. <laughs> Everything's my fault. Oh, it's always my fault, huh? I'm just a... <laughs> I'm just... 
Dude, okay, so why All right, Eeyore. While you're waiting on me to finish DS9, check out Lower Decks. The card okay, card. I will. It's I will. Card, that's really good. I think great. that's worth the watch. Is it on Paramount too? Yeah, dude. No, okay. it's on Paramount 1. I fucking hate you so much. God. Okay. Look, if we wanted Dobbins on this podcast, I would have fucking invited him. If I wanted your lip, I'd unzip my fly. Oh, Jesus. Now, the ones that I don't want to watch, really, is that Strange New World. Where they go back and they remake the original, but in this, like, newer setting. No, that's not what they did there. That's just before the original. Close enough to me to call it the original remake. I get you. I get you. Especially when you have most of their crew has like all the original people for the most part, the character wise. With having like Spock and everything else and I mean I did like Discovery a little bit. I did watch that. It wasn't too bad. I hated the way that they showed their clean ons though. Yeah, that was fucking weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, why would I? I know that you've you've got you've got all this different technology that they had that they didn't have back in late '80s and early '90s when they're doing TNG and DS9. But why would you do something so drastic? That's set before. Yeah. Yeah, and you know. Uh, if you look at the original series Klingons versus TNG and DS9, there's some bullshit excuse about some uh, disease that the Klingons got that gave them the ridges in their heads or something. Right. It's a genetic defect. Yeah, and it's like... <laughs> the backstory there is basically this. Um, the Klingons that we originally saw back in the original series were genetically enhanced Klingons. They were enhanced with human DNA, and um, it created issues. So those Klingons who became genetically modified were then controlled. Uh, They were put into special units, and they were kept on, uh, I guess, long-distance patrols. So, um, that's why those are the Klingons that the Federation first encountered back in the original series. Klingons actually have always looked the way that Worf does. And okay, when it comes to Kang, Kor, and Koloth, who are legendary heroes of the Klingon Empire. Those are the Klingon captains. The masters. Yes, they are. But those are the Klingon captains whom Kirk confronted. Okay? Some of Uh, them more than once. And that's why they're known in Star Trek. But um, they were, like you said, they were Dehar masters. They were highly honored. And they were allowed to come home. But they had, you know, facial surgery done 
to give them their original Klingon features back. The High Council granted them that honor. Hmm. That's kind of counterintuitive to the whole uh, idea of Klingon honor. Oh, but we know how backwards and corrupt the Klingon High Council is. Well, this is true. They do all kinds of shit. Whatever fits the bill today is going to work. Yeah, this is true. You are correct. They covered up for Duras. Gowron was squandering Klingon assets to try to defeat the Dominion. I mean... For his own honor's sake. He he even tried to defeat a political opponent by forcing that political opponent to lose in battle repeatedly, hopefully getting him killed. That's Klingon politics. Yes, true. Keith, I love the fucking table. The camera angle when you do that is so fucking cool. That is cool. Sorry, I <laughs> mute myself while I was going down. Yeah, you can hear the motor if you don't mute it, but it still what fucking looks it? cool as shit. Yeah, it's pretty badass. How how far in are we, Keith? Time wise, because we we've we've actually one we've... hour and sixteen minutes. Oh, okay. Maybe we shouldn't go on to another no. another no I say that we topic here. Yeah. This is on a term Probably like order. A political yeah. slash Star Trek <laughs> episode. Yeah. Episode. You know, I don't think the beginning was that political. I mean, it wasn't for me. Uh, and that's, you know, I'll just, since we're going to end it soon, I'll, I'll make this my, my closing statement. You know, not everything is political folks. Um, and, I've I've been with my best friends the past few days discussing things that are really just societal and and cultural topics. They don't have to be political. I, I I don't think that we need to use the power of government necessarily to force our our views and opinions down on anyone else. But we we all need to do our part to make sure that um, our our government is being kept at bay and being led by our our moral cultural stances. You know, we 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 don't need to we don't need to force. Uh, anything on anyone but but try to have some some thoughtful debate with your close friends because it, it really brings you together guys it really does it, it clarifies things and and it tells you a lot about the people that you're close to and it brings you closer to them so so keep that in mind go forth and and be thoughtful <laughs> my turn sure Yep. well you know we got Thanksgiving coming up um, so let's all try and take a moment this week and remember what we're thankful for especially uh, 
a wonderful government. <laughs> Except we don't have that. But it's a wonderful idea for government. And it's flexible and we can vote. And there's a lot of places in the world that you can't do that. So I will be thankful for that. Other than that, everybody have a good week. Work hard. Pay your damn taxes. We got a lot of people to feed. Deuces, everybody. <laughs>